And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gizmondi, and welcome to today's show. Wow, mid-February already, and that means that soon the special event dinners at the upcoming Vancouver Wine Festival will be on sale. March 1st, tickets go on sale for all the special dinners, and on March 8th, more special events go on sale. Uh, those will be seminars, etc. Plus, don't forget the tickets for the public tasting nights on April 27, 28, 29 are already on sale right now. Tickets and all you need to know about this year's Vancouver International Wine Festival can be found at vanwinefest.ca. Now on the show today, David Lorson, co-founder and co-chairman of the National Wine Awards of Canada and the wine guy behind Canada's Great Kitchen Party joins us. We'll talk about many things, including uh, some of Dave's favorite British Columbia wines. I'm going to join him in that conversation. Uh, so don't you won't want to miss that. Christine Coletta, co-owner of Haywire Winery in Summerland, British Columbia, joins us to talk about the reopening of Haywire after a year-long renovation. But up next, Dorothy Gator and John Brecher, former Wall Street Journal wine columnist, join us to talk about Open That Bottle Night, a phenomenon they started back in 1999 and remains one of the best ideas ever in wine. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we are set to go. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. A ring-a-ding-ding. Time for happy hour at the Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. Featuring wine by the glass starting at just five bucks, along with the most fabulous gourmet bites the West Side has ever seen. Daily from 2 to 5 p.m. Plus, join us for Tommy and Tannen Tuesdays. Order a giant tomahawk ribeye and get your first bottle of Mount Boucherie Reserve Merlot for just five bucks. The Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. See you today. Join BC Food and Wine Radio and Anthony Gizmondi at the 44th Vancouver International Wine Festival, April 22nd to 30th at the Vancouver Convention Center. Tickets for the International Festival tastings featuring 152 wineries from 17 countries and highlighting South America are on sale now. Stay, sip, and save. Get a free tasting ticket worth up to $129 when you book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com. Details at vanwinefest.ca. Don't wine and drive. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on wine tours and winery events. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. 
Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and welcome to the show. And a shout out to CFAX 1070 listeners in Victoria and the south of Vancouver Island. Our guests are Dorothy Gator and John Brecher, the former Wall Street Journal uh, weekly tasting columnists. They continue to write about wine for thegrapecollective.com in their weekly Love by the Glass column, but they are also known as the founders of Open, that bottle night, which is coming up on February 25th, and they're here to tell us all about it. Dorothy, John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Open that bottle night. Uh, it's been going for some time now. Uh, let, let's start with the beginning. Why open that bottle night? Uh, you know, the best ideas are simplest. Uh, this was a simple, organic idea. Uh, we'd been wine lovers and wine drinkers for many, many years before we started writing about it for the Wall Street Journal in 1998. And when we did start writing, we found that the question we were asked most often was the same. I have this one special bottle of wine. I got it at auction. I got it at my wedding. I got it on vacation. When should I open it? And what's it worth? (laughs) And we realized that we all had that bottle. We all had that bottle. We needed a shove to open it. So we established open that bottle night. One night where everybody around the world could finally Open that bottle and uncork the memories. Yeah. Well, you know, all all over the world. Fabulous. Yeah. That's so great. I was going to say, you know, of course, I'm writing up in Canada, but it's the same question for me. Like, hey, how I got this bottle left to me by my father. What's it worth? And I say, well, why don't you drink it uh, instead of worrying about what it's worth? But, (laughs) but, uh, okay. Why do we wait? What is it about wine? What, What is it that terrifies us to open a bottle of wine like that? You, you, you have this bottle that maybe your father left you and he's gone, you know? And so you, you want to honor him and you just can't get up the nerve to do it or we bought it at auction. And, and all the people had this notion that, that all older wines are better wines. And, and that's mm-hmm. not so. People, people wrote to us asking when they should open a bottle of Blue Nun and it was 20 years old, you know, and it probably yeah. wasn't good uh, wine two years after it was made. But um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just really hard. And, and the problem is, is that as soon as you start saving a bottle for a special occasion, with each mm-hmm. passing year, the special occasion has to get more and more special. And yeah. so it, you, you become paralyzed. We, we heard from a mother who had bought uh, a case of Rioja to serve at her son's wedding, and she had waited and waited and waited for him to get married and finally decided to start drinking it, you know? Yes. And, yeah, you know, she was empowered. I'm, I'm not, you know, it may not happen. Uh, good for him. He's happy. Uh, but I'm going to drink this wine. And so she started yeah. opening it. And, and no one has promised tomorrow. So if you have a special bottle, open it. Yeah. But if you're I'm, having I'm, a hard time, wait for open that bottle night. I'm totally with you. Dorothy Gator and John Brecher, we're talking about open that bottle night coming up on uh, Feb 25. Uh, I, I, I even collectors have a big problem. I know they, they go into their cellar and they think, well, are these people worthy of this wine? And maybe maybe they don't mean it that way, but do they know enough about this wine? And 
One of the things I love to do is to open a, a special wine that people don't know anything about just because I would like them to try that wine because they probably will never try it the, re- the rest of their life. And it could it could signal something great for them. True. True. We used to find that with, with dessert wines. If you ask people if they wanted uh, to try dessert wine, they would all say, no, no, no. Oh, no yeah. But if we just poured <laughs> it for them, then yeah. they would start pouring it themselves. You know, you just have to break the ice for them. Yeah. Well, one of the tricks I use, I don't know whether you use this, but I, it, it, it seems to work well for me, is that when I open a special bottle or what, I, I don't even like to use the word special bottle, but when, when I open a, a, an interesting bottle of wine for a group of people at dinner, I note the vintage for them. And then uh, the first question I ask them is to take a sip of the wine, but while you're tasting the wine, think about exactly what you were doing that year. So let's say it was 1982 or 1966 or whatever, depending on their age. They all break out into these stories that no one's ever heard of at the table. And and then the dinner really gets going. Oh, yes. That's such a great idea. That's such a great idea. And it really is kind of fundamentally what's so wonderful and exciting about wine because it takes you places. It takes you places both in terms of geography, but also in terms of time. How many mm-hmm. things can actually make you travel in time the way wine can? Yeah. It's amazing, and, and the memories are very strong too for people. So, oh, 1982. I was I was in university. I wasn't even drinking wine, but I was dating this guy that I married, and so I, I just love that thing. And then and then in the end, the, the, I can actually talk about the wine to them, and they're ready to receive uh, that you know that little bit of information that maybe will push them over the edge to consider opening uh, their own wines at home, or at least going out looking for interesting wine. Okay, well, I'm kind of uh, keen to uh, ask you what exactly you're going to serve or open on uh, February 25th. Uh, uh, what have you got in mind? Well, we never decide until the last minute ourselves. Because <laughs> like that. We, yeah, I, you know, it's like we have so many special bottles. We don't have a huge collection because we've never bought wine to collect. We've just bought it to drink. But yeah. that said, we do wines from trips and from uh, all sorts of special things that we look at, and some of them we look at every year. For instance, our bottle of Always Elvis. Now, this is really <laughs> special. <laughs> this, is the this was a wine. It's got this amazing picture of Elvis on the, on the cover, and on the back label is a, a, a poem by the Colonel. Uh, this was probably bad wine when we bought it in 1980. But wow. the thing is, it's so remarkable that we saved it for a year, then saved it for two years, and suddenly we have this bottle of kind of brown goop. That <laughs> <laughs> we just, on the one hand, can't stand to open, but on the other hand, we really have to because yeah. our whole life since 1980 is reflected in that stupid label. Wow. Maybe a little Elvis yeah. music in the background. Huck, huck a bird in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're let, going to have to have many, many backups for that. Yeah. Thing, you let's, know? let's hope it doesn't come out in hunks out of the bottle. But that's part of the fun, I think, of these things. <laughs> You know, people always, they say, well, what if the wine's no good? You say, well, this is the, le- you know, this is what we're doing. We're discovering, you know, it's an, it's an old wine. 
and uh, we'll see what happens. So I, I like that. Maybe you can help me out. I, I don't want to go crazy here, but I did pick three old wines that I've been staring at for quite a while. They're all dessert wines. I know you mentioned that earlier because it's it's hard to serve dessert wines uh, harder than usual now in these days, uh, I find. But So I've got a 51 Gerard Bertrand Banyul, and I have a 57 Tokai Azu, and I have a 57 Port from uh, Barros. A Colieta, a single vintage port. So there's three different styles of dessert wine. Think people will like that? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, our bias would be you should open up the 51 because that's the year we were born. Okay. <laughs> that's a great, and, that, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and the wines are so, are so resilient, you know. I, I bet they're all beautiful. Yeah, uh, you, you I, just can't, can't go wrong. Yeah, did you ever think that uh, open that bottle night would be so successful? No, yeah, it 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 it, it was a Jeopardy question in two thousand five for two hundred dollars. Uh, Alex <laughs> Trebek uh, yeah was a, was a wine lover, you know, and we were shocked to learn of that. Um, but it, it's it's spread so because it's a very human issue. <laughs> every, every every wine lover who has any sizable collection, it might be just ten bottles, has something that they keep staring at. And one of those wines that that you mentioned, Anthony, you've been looking at for a while because the first time we talked to you was when you had that scare with incoming missiles. Oh yeah, why? Why? Yeah, you you were looking at at that port, I think then. I was. So and, you, yeah, yeah. Had and it's interesting. It's in, trigger on one of those. It's interesting you say that because that should have nudged me. Uh, I can tell you that the pandemic has totally nudged me because, uh, as you said earlier, we're not really owed much of anything, and we're not certain of anything anymore in the future. And I think that's one of the one of the other reasons why open that bottle night uh, can be so successful now. We've spread the word out, but maybe before you go, you heard from a, a, a Canadian about a bottle he's going to open. Can you tell us a bit about that before we go? Uh, Barry McConaughey, um, one of your, your top chef uh, finalists. Yeah, yeah. That, that he, he intentionally started to collect, uh, to buy some wines to celebrate a 60th birthday. Mm-hmm. And so he's looking at some uh, some old Bordeaux uh, to do that. And it sounds like a great time. We're, we've already bought our tickets. We're, we'll, be knocking, <laughs> we'll be knocking on his door. <laughs> <laughs> and then we we may swing by your place, Anthony. Yeah, please do. Uh, well, we maybe we we'll see you up in Canada. You know, we have a pretty good wine festival in Vancouver. We'd love to see you guys up here at some point. If you're uh, interested in fine food and fine wine, uh, we could sure uh, show you a great time. Wow! Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for joining us today on the show. I know our listeners uh, will really enjoy this, and we hope that they all uh, reach for that bottle and get it out, dust it off, and serve it and drink it and talk about it because that's the most fun we can have with wine. Thanks so much. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. That was Dorothy Gator and John Brecher. Of course, uh, many of you know them from their columns uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Now you will find them also writing at Grape Collective. Plenty more coming up on the show. 
Up next, we speak with Christine Coletta. She's the co-owner of Haywire Wines. You can listen to the show live weekly in 20 cities across British Columbia or on demand on all the major podcast platforms. This is BC Food & Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe, inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. It's time to think turkey. Your BC turkey farmers work hard all year to bring high-quality products to your table. Whether it's a weeknight dinner or special occasion, turkey is always a delicious source of lean protein. And you can't forget the leftovers. With a great meat-to-bone ratio, you get a great value and multiple meals. So the next time you're wondering what to serve, think turkey. Find recipes, info, and more at bc.canadianturkey.ca. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. The Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing and refreshing stay on the Naramata bench. Relax on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the Therapy Vineyards wine shop. Book your room or order Therapy Vineyards award-winning wines and have them delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com. Because everyone needs a little therapy. Welcome to The Loops. When you love something, you want to do it again and again. Here in Kamloops, you can do laps on your mountain bike or play another round of golf. And when you're ready, welcoming eateries will gladly bring out budget-friendly second helpings or refills. Later on, you can raise the roof for a melodic encore before tucking into a comfy bed, then waking up to discover something new to do all over again. That's what we mean by Welcome to The Loops. Go to tourismcamloops.com to plan your next road trip to The Loops. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and a shout out to our wide coverage of cities across the province on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, everywhere from Soyuz in the South Okanagan to Fort St. John in British Columbia's Northlands. Uh, after 14 years under the umbrella of Okanagan Crush Pad, Haywire Winery is finally uh, jumping to the front of the page uh, here today to talk about all the changes at uh, at Okanagan Crush Pad is, of course, co-owner Christine Coletta. We talked to Christine many, many times. Uh, I really only have one question for you, Christine. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I do. I go to bed very early, and most people know not to call past 8 p.m., but we can get you like at 4.30 in the morning, right? Definitely. 
Yeah. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good, good farmer hours. I cannot function at that hour, but I, I respect it. Uh, okay. Uh, why the changes? What exactly has happened? I know you've been busy. You actually were close to the public uh, with renos, etc. So walk us quickly through all that. Yes. Well, after opening our Custom Crush facility in 2011, which uh, allowed us to share our facility with wineries that were just, you know, getting into the business and getting their start in life, mm-hmm. uh, we've now grown to the point where we are occupying the entire space and we have officially said goodbye to our Custom Crush business. Mm. So to mark that occasion, we have renamed the winery. Uh, Last year, we painted a fabulous mural on the exterior, and uh, this past spring and summer, and uh, we're just getting putting the finishing touches on a brand new tasting room, which will allow us to serve people year-round indoors and uh, provide comfortable table service. So say goodbye to the tasting bar. Ah. Our guest is Christine Coletta. She's the co-owner of Haywire Wines, and uh, we're talking about some of the changes there. Uh, in some ways, I feel bad for those uh, wineries who could use your help, but I totally understand that you need the space and uh, the, the the slight change of direction. But Haywire's been around for a while. I mean, Switchback Vineyard is really a special place, so why don't we start with that and, and your journey uh, uh, to organic and sustainable and how the way that you make wines now. Yes, yeah, so we uh, had our first uh, vintage of the Haywire Switchback Pinot Gris in 2009, and it was 168 cases. It was the tiny <laughs> first crop, <laughs> yeah. and we were so desperate to meet uh, the demand for the wine that we actually packed it in six bottle cases so we could double what we could offer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I think back to those early days laughing because uh, you know we made every rookie mistake in, in the books, Uh, So, you know, a few years later when we actually um, uh, moved into our own facility because our first vintages were as virtual wineries made at other cellars, Mm -hmm. we realized that people like us trying to get into the business uh, did make a lot of mistakes and we should uh, try and help them. So that's really how we started out in life. Um, We planted a 10-acre property with Pinot Gris. We farmed it commercially and then enter some uh, famous uh, consultants, Alberto Antonini and Dr. Pedro Pera. Uh, they convinced us to go organic, and we started that process in 2011 at Switchback. So, you know, I really look back on those beginning days, and, you know, there was a lot of fumbling around. There were a lot of, it was a lot of trial and error, and uh, I, I, I really feel so excited about where we are today. Uh, we now, in addition to the property at Switchback Vineyard, we own 320 acres at Garnet Valley Ranch. It's all organic certified. Um, we have uh, a full functioning farm there with uh, vines, mm-hmm. vegetables, bees, lavender. So, yeah, I really, yeah, I'm really excited what where we're it's, at today. It's, it's even hard to imagine. I mean, I remember being in Switchback in the very beginning and what it looked like and how it looks now and, of course, up in Garnet Valley, which is also in Summerland, just a little further up uh, up the road, higher up the road. Uh, so you, you've you developed now, or you've had this year off with visitors, but you're welcoming them back, and you've developed some programs now. You're going to actually take them in vineyards and talk about uh, sustainability. You're going to talk about concrete, which is interesting. Tell us a bit about what you've got planned for people who visit the winery this year. 
Well, we, uh, as you know, we have a large collection of concrete tanks, and we're one of the wineries in uh, Canada that really sort of pioneered the use of concrete, which was very popular in other famous uh, winemaking regions. Um, so we love to tell people about that, what concrete does to wine and why we prefer it over oak. And, um, and we also uh, will walk people through the vineyard, tell them about uh, organic viticulture and why we're so passionate about it, mm-hmm. and also explain our sustainability uh, program as well. And I know that people like to throw the word sustainable around lightly, but we've actually uh, backed it up by being the first Canadian winery to join International Wineries for Climate Action. And we have a very aggressive plan to reduce our carbon footprint over the next five years. That's fantastic. Uh, well, uh, what about uh, the people know uh, Okanagan Crush Pad or knew it as a place that also had a number of your brands. So how do they all fit in now? There was Freeform, Narrative, Bizu and Yukon, what, what, what's happening with them? Uh, well, the Haywire brand will be front and center when people come to visit the uh, the winery. We will also mm-hmm. have um, we will also be showcasing some of our other brands as uh, featured wine throughout the season. Uh, with the with Garnet Valley, we have plans to open a winery there, and we've actually applied for our winery license. So we're hoping by fall we'll be able to showcase uh, Garnet Valley products along with freeform wines at that location. Yeah, and a whole new set of labels. I just love your new labels. I mean, I like the other label, too, for a different reason. At the time, you know, it was white, it was simple, it was plain, it was focused. Uh, These new colorful labels look more like something... uh, can I say the millennials would like, or the Gen Z, or I'm I'm not sure. Can I say that? But but uh, well, I don't need I'm, I don't need it, but I like them. <laughs> given that I'm far from a millennial, I'm 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 very um, thankful that I hit the mark with that target group. But we, when we first launched out, we were one of the few wineries to have a big white, um, plain, simple label. You'll remember back to the good old yeah. days where black and gold were the colors. That yep. ruled, and so we sort of set a new direction with the packaging, and that was in 2009. It hasn't really changed, and now there's lots of other labels in the marketplace that look like that. Mm-hmm. So we decided to uh, really sort of go out boldly and uh, signal a new beginning for us with a yeah. brand new look. <clears throat> well, they look great, and of course, uh, Haywire much more than just Pinot Gris, Chardonnay, uh, the Gamay, and Pinot Noir. Uh, and the rosé now. It's it's really nice, a great package. Uh, Chris, before we go, uh, we were, we've been talking with uh, with uh, Dorothy uh, Gator and John Brecher about Open That Bottle Night, and we wondered whether you uh, had contemplated opening a bottle uh, this week. I, I have, and I have in front of me the Haywire Pinot Noir 2010. 2010, and wow. 2010, and I'm about to pour it into a glass. Okay, you're going to open it on the air. I love it. Yeah, there you go. Is it uh, alive? It is alive. Yeah. It still has some ruby color. Mm. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, so that was either going to be a disaster yeah, or, a or surprise. something special. It's, and It's a surprise. It's uh, really held its own. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, it's got great structure. It's got a little bit of browning on the um, 
you know, on the, on yeah, the profile. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's still, it, oh my, like that's incredible. Now, I only have five more of those bottles left, so um, well, we'll I, have to I, circle I, back in a year and try another one, maybe six months from now. I'm pretty, I'm pretty now, sure. Go ahead. Now, I'm, now I have to rush to the winery with this bottle and let our winemaker, Matt Dumain, have a sip. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. You're going to have a lot of people for lunch. I am. Yes. Yes. I'm, That's I, fantastic. I, I will have to take that with me. Yeah. And you know, it's not a surprise to British Columbia wine aficionados who know that we have great acidity in BC, and it's one of the life-giving, uh, you know, properties of a wine. So, so a 13-year-old uh, Pinot Noir can live that long uh, when it's well made. It really can, and so can the whites. I've, I opened a 2009 Pinot Gris last year. And it was very solid, and I think people need to give uh, older vintages from British Columbia a chance. Yeah, and uh, not discount them if the if the whites are over a year old. Well, they're, I'm going to have to actually just coming into their own. Beautiful. I'm, I'm going to have to have an open that bottle month to to drink all the old BC wines I have in my cellar. So uh, I'll, I'll be busy, but I know that the, many of them are in great shape. Chris, thanks yeah. so much for joining us. One last very quick question: So when will you open to the public? We are aiming for April 6th. Okay. Uh, it is now in the hands of the powers that be. By that, I mean the liquor control and licensing folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. As they maneuver through our application, which has been in there for several months now. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed that we've done everything we should and we'll be open. Even if we don't have our, our license, we'll be open for people to drop by. Open and, and uh, check people can out. have a, yeah, they can have a peanut butter sandwich and toast uh, the BCLDB uh liquor distribution branch i'll make hot chocolate <laughs> thanks so much christine always great to catch up with you thanks for having me take care that was christine coletta she's the co-owner of haywire wine still to come david lorison from the great canadian kitchen party and co-founder and co-chair of the national wine awards of canada this is bc food and wine radio and i'm anthony gismondi There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Save on Foods is home to Western Canada's largest selection of VQA wines. More than 1,300 from all over British Columbia. Discover new February favorites. Right now, pick up two bottles for just $20. And as always, when you purchase any four bottles, get 10% off. From up-and-coming vineyards to established big-name wineries, our province's wine producing has never been more extensive, and neither is the selection at Save on Foods, with 22 wine stores across BC. Find yours at saveonfoods.com. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. 
Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on wine tours and winery events. Take your wine appreciation to the next level and become a rebel. Welcome to the Rebel Club at Liber Farm and Winery. As a Rebel member, you'll enjoy a regular shipment of exemplary Liber wines for your cellar, along with complimentary tastings and VIP treatment at the winery and more. And with the ease and convenience of online ordering, your wine will be shipped straight to your door. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. Welcome back. Can you believe it's already mid-February? This winter is just uh, whipping by in BC. We can't wait for spring, and uh, hopefully it's going to be here sooner than later. Now, joining us is uh, our old friend David Lorison. Of course, David is the great Canadian uh, kitchen party uh, man. He's in charge of the wine over there, and he's also the co-founder and co-chairman of the National Wine Awards of Canada. We're going to talk about a number of topics today, starting with the great Canadian kitchen party, which just wrapped up in Ottawa uh, a few days ago. David, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Tony. Good to be back. Uh, it's good to have you back. Are you kitchen partied out? or uh, uh, I, I am. <laughs> I, I am, yeah. It, it's a very, very complex, uh, intense, and fun event. Uh, yeah. A lot of preparation for it. We just finished in Ottawa at the Canadian Color Championships on February the 4th. Actually, yeah. a big ad in the Global and Mail business section today announcing all the winners and that kind of nice. thing. Nice. Well, and it's a, national, it's a national thing. Explain how it sort of rolls across the country or how it works. Okay, it's it's it is complex. But I'll try and make it short. It's uh, a, a series of regional uh, chef competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're held in eight to ten cities across Canada, depending on the year. Uh, the chefs do their cooking in front of large paying, uh, large crowds of paying guests, anywhere from four to seven hundred people per city. Wow. So it turns into a, a big a big night out. Uh, the uh, the chefs are judged. Uh, winner goes from each on for each city to the Canadian Country Championship in Ottawa. Uh, and uh, my role in all this is to uh, have the get Canadian wines donated to all the events. And it's yeah. it's a big job. We had almost a hundred different wineries involved this year, mm-hmm. and uh, and we actually really wanted to upgrade the the quality of the wine. You know, you go to a lot of galas and banquets and things, and you're and you're getting yeah decent wine but not great wine and no. we really wanted to, to up that quality and develop what we call the pinnacle project so in some cases many of these wines were you know, like 50 dollars a bottle being served to hundreds of people which was really yeah. great well i i had the fortune to help out in vancouver and and i was impressed yeah. by the level of the wines because as you say uh many of these charity events i mean they just don't know really what they're doing or what they're asking for and and you go there and the yeah. wines are so pitiful so that's great to have yeah. Uh, what about the winners? Who do we know who won all this, and what can you tell us? Well, uh, on, on the chef side, and again, I'm yeah. more focused on the wine side, but on the chef side, the winner this year was actually a young lady named Brianna Kim from Ottawa. You know, the event was held in Ottawa, uh, yeah. and she did some amazing work. Uh, your Vancouver 
Representative Bobby Millerhorn um, from Homer Street Cafe took the silver. Yeah, and uh, the bronze medal went to uh, Edmonton chef uh, Serge Belair at the Edmonton Convention Center. Right. Um, in and terms of the wines, uh, there were about seven wines that went on for the wine of the year. So the top wine vote in each city uh, goes yeah. on to this final of the Canadian Country Championship as well. Um, Ontario swept it. Uh, their Thomas Batchelder's 2020 Hank Pinot Noir uh, was the winner by a hair. Uh, we had a great reasoning from Charles Baker in the Piconi Vineyard came second. He won it in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then from Pratera County, a Claus and Chase uh, single vineyard Pinot. So it was, re- it was really exciting. Very close, actually. Gee, I, sh- I could say an Ontario thing here. It sounds like Homer Pallets in the final there. What happened? <laughs> well, we didn't know we had one Western I'm just Pallet kidding. In, in the in final. That's <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the the wines actually at the kitchen party. I mean, I, I was judging wines in Vancouver, but they're also paired with each dish as well. Is is, is that a separate thing, or how does that work? Yeah, again, uh, a little complicated. So each chef uh, is actually uh, graded on their pairing. So we leave yeah. it up to the chefs to to get the wines that they want to use. So they choose um, a, a wine for their for their dish to match their dish, I guess. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then there are other wines that are served at receptions and that they sit down portion after that I look after putting together. Yeah. And you you raise some money and what happens? Where does the dough go? Uh, we have uh, this used to be gold medal plates funding Olympic athletes, uh, but we've uh, we've switched over now. Where we have two really great benefits. Well, three. Um, one of them is uh, the beneficiaries is Music Counts. Uh, which puts music instruments into schools across the country. Uh, there's a large music component to our events as well, with Jim Cuddy being our entertainment advisor, and we get a lot of great Canadian musicians playing. So that's the tie-in to Music Counts. Um, an Olympian named Becky Scott has created a really interesting um, uh, organization called Spirit North, which is bringing organized recreation and sporting programs to Indigenous youth in northern Canada. Fantastic. So a lot of the money's going there. And then in each yeah. city, we find uh, local charities dealing with uh, food security for kids and that, that kind of thing. David, you're doing a fantastic job. I always love to hear about how much wine does in the community because uh, sometimes we, we, you know, we, we don't talk enough about these things. One of the reasons why wineries donate wines is because uh, they want to support these causes as well. You know, it's not just they about do, the wine. They do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had Good great for support you. from the wineries. Yep. So uh, will it continue next year? Are you working on that yet? Are you getting a break? Yes. Or, oh, does, and or, or this little, year, little I guess. Break for you here, Tony. Yeah. Uh, we have our, we have just decided in the last week or two that we're going to do a separate uh, wine country edition of our competition. Uh, and in 2023, we're going to do it in the Okanagan, mm. and in 2024 in Niagara, and we'll kind of alternate each year. Just this is there's a lot of great food being done in wine country, and we want to oh, sort yeah. of highlight that and, and bring that forward. So yeah, you can a lot watch of great that chefs. Maybe next November. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks for breaking that news. The wine country tasting. Uh, uh, involving uh, chefs from wine country at the Canadian Kitchen Party. Uh, Dave, let's change uh, gears and talk a bit about uh, NWAC, the National Wine Awards of Canada for 2023. They're coming to Penticton. Uh, you and I are the co-founders of those awards. We should put that out so people uh, understand where we're coming from. But uh, the awards are getting old, kind of like us. That's right. <laughs> we're always <laughs> looking for every year we... Uh, kind of looking for new judges to come in. I mean, it's become a, a hugely popular event for 
uh, for Psalms and, and their wine writers wanting to judge. We've got a long list of people now to, to draw from, but we always want to bring in new people each year as well, which is really important. Yeah. First one was in uh, 2001. Uh, right. This year, uh, 2023, will be in Penticton. But Dave, I always I like to ask you this question. Why should a winery go into a, a National Wine Awards? What What's in it for them? Well, uh, I mean, obviously, the, the one thing is is publicity if they do well, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, some, and some wineries probably don't go in because they don't want to not do well. Um, but I, I think the more important um, uh, sort of result of this is they get to really – you know, benchmark what they're doing against what everyone else is doing, right? Right. Uh, and um, it's it's also just a, a great sort of research uh, data bank almost of, of, you know, what regions are doing, what, what types of wines well, and it's just this big snapshot of, of the country. And, boy, if I were a winery, I'd want to know where I fit in. So I yeah. think that's, that's, on the winery side, that's the main reason. Yeah, and from from my point of view, by the way, that's a great way to describe it—a snapshot. Other people always say to me, "Well, what about you know this one?" Or I say, "Look, it's a snapshot. It's a moment in time, uh, but the yeah. results are pretty solid, and you can you can see a lot of things from the results. Like, say, the growth of of Petit Verdot and Melbeck over the last twenty years. That sort of thing right. you, you you notice. You notice the change in style of Chardonnay over the last twenty three years, from what we had in two thousand and one to what we get today. So so those kind of trends are reinforced uh, we see them year by year so there's there's longer views but there's also that snapshot what i like right. is that consumers get information out of this uh, right away uh judged to you know blind like people don't know what they're drinking so the results are pretty solid that way and then uh, our judges many who are in media now a lot of them in social media they have an opportunity to taste, you know, a thousand uh, Canadian wines or, or or more over the week. Yeah. And so that so they have a whole uh, a bag of wine reviews and thoughts that they can drag around for the next year because they've actually tasted the wine. So three people that's win right, in this yeah. this uh, thing, and I think that's why it's it's, it's been so successful. Uh, Penticton yeah. is is always nice. We go to the Trade and Convention Center. Fantastic setup there. People are are. Uh, Totally genuine, and uh, so it should be good. I think this year we're going to be looking at maybe twenty-two hundred wines. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, last year was was pretty large, but we were also making up for lost time, you know, when we didn't hold it uh, during COVID. So yeah, but you know, the industry just keeps growing, and um, yeah. and and the, the awards are a great place for new wineries to kind of break out and show their stuff and, and get get known. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be a big year. Yeah, our guest is uh, David Larson. Uh, he is going to stick around. He and I are going to talk about some of our current favorite British Columbia wines uh, when we come back, ones that we're drinking this winter and looking forward to drinking over the next few years. Uh, Dave, hold on. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back and uh, talk about your favorite BC wines. Okay, see you in a minute. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.
Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on wine tours and winery events. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax, with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. Clos du Soleil makes wines that speak of the Similkameen soil where their grapes are grown and the souls of the people who call this valley their home. Winemaker Michael Clark and his team specialize in wines that blend Bordeaux grape varieties with their unique mountainous terroir. The result is wines that are elegant, ageable, and authentic. Clos du Soleil, wild places, soulful wines. Available at closdusoleil.ca and fine restaurants and wine stores near you. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. British Columbia, we're back with a shout out to Bounce Radio Summerland and all 19 other cities across the province. Our guest, uh, our guest is uh, international wine critic David Lorison. He's a co-founder and co-chair of the National Wine Awards of Canada. Uh, and David is going to talk about some of his favorite BC wines today. But I want to first start, Dave, you're a wine critic. I'm a wine critic. We consider ourselves to be different than people who talk about wine or, you know, socialize about wine these days. Well, how would you describe what a wine critic is? Um, well, it's someone who tastes a hell of a lot of wine. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing. And, and you know, we, we do it as a job, and we're, uh, we're, we're lining wines up all the time and, and tasting. I mean, I, I'm re- putting up reviews of over 200 wines a month on, on winealine.com. So yeah. it's... Um, and I, believe me, I'm not complaining. I love this work, um, but it is work, and you have to bring a kind of a professional viewpoint to it and, and some objectivity. Uh, and you, I think, you really only uh, do it well once you've tasted a lot of wine. You have to have that context, right? So, yeah. Um, and in and, your and, case, and, that's 45 years of tasting, uh, more <laughs> yeah, or less. Hey, Tony, maybe not quite that long, but yes, almost. Well, almost. that's a lot of. But it is a lot of, uh, you know, it's like a patina, the way it works. You, you learn every day, and you, you pile it up, and your experience really helps you uh, as you move through the, the you know, the yeah. job of, of, of critiquing wines in, in a thoughtful way, I would say. Absolutely, yeah. 
and and you learn to to look for certain things in in every wine. I mean, you know, I think you know, balance, uh, length, intensity, all those kinds of measurable things um, yeah. that apply to any wine, no matter what country or or grape it's from. Okay, well, I've tasked you with talking a bit about some of your favorite latest BC wines. I'm going to join in with some of mine. So I'll start with you. Uh, what's a BC wine that's impressed you lately? Well, just uh, briefly, I mean, I spent a fair bit of time in the Okanagan last summer. We don't get a ton of BC wine coming through Ontario, which is another whole issue. But mm-hmm. um, I have been in the Okanagan and, uh, you know, I tasted the National Wine Awards last year. Um, so one of the wines I keep coming back to when I encounter it uh, as being really stellar uh, is a Chardonnay uh, from Quailsgate. Now, they make about three or four different sort of price tiers or quality tiers, but they have a single block wine called Rosemary's Block. Um, from very, very old vines on the property. And I just think that's one of the most magnificent Chardonnays that, that BC is doing or, or Canada is doing. Um, it's it's got power, it's got finesse, it's complexity. The, depth, the length of concentration of flavor is remarkable. Yeah. So I just keep landing on that as being, you know, one of the true standout wines. Yeah, Rosemary's Block, and I, I, I think it was Nikki Calloway who first started that uh, selection uh, before, you know, she's not there now, but she, she got that right. program rolling. Uh, it is to, it is a, a fantastic Chardonnay, and we have such an array of Chardonnays now in Canada, as I was saying earlier, nothing like the ones we were tasting in 2001 or two or three, so, That's right. so yeah. we're and, pretty and happy. Coast coast. Yeah, yeah, it is coast, coast to coast. Coast to coast, yep. Yeah, love it. Uh, one of the wines that has really impressed me this year, uh, and and so has the winery, because I've never been a huge uh, fan of Black Hills, although the Nota Bene wine is, you know, probably the most iconic wine sure. for what reason I never understood, but it sells like crazy, uh, sells out in a couple hours a whole year. But since right. uh, Ross Weiss has arrived there, I just love what he's done at Black Hills. He's basically He's basically decided to pick earlier and use less new wood. And, and uh, the change in the wines, from, from my point of view, the electricity, the energy in those wines are fantastic. I'm in love with the latest Ipso Facto uh, from Black yeah. Hills, which is a Syrah Merlot Cabernet blend. It's just a sensational wine. It's sitting right beside my elbow here. <laughs> You're kidding. It was, it was actually served at one of the uh, kitchen party events. They donated it. So, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great wine. Okay, let's have another one, Dave. All right. Well, uh, I'm uh, a real fan of BC Syrahs, uh, mm-hmm. and I remember I tasted the very first BC Syrah ever made with you, Tony, at a yeah. restaurant in, in Vancouver, and um, and we were just amazed that it came from the Okanagan from Naramata. But and so I've been a fan ever since, and I and I love the you know Northern Rhone Syrahs as well. I find that the BC style is very much leaning that way more so than to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually two, uh, two that I would mention. I mean, Le Vieux-Pin is doing sensational work with this grape. This grape, Severin Pinty, winemaker. Uh, and uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, she's making several iterations and, and price ranges, and I love them all. You know, the Cuvée Violette is probably the best value at about $35, but it's just a sensational wine. And then her more expensive ones as well. She's just nailing it. It's mm-hmm. um you know, just just beautiful, sort of savory, dusty, peppery, uh, ripe fruit, but not overripe. Uh, power, the balance. She's she's really got a handle on it. Yeah. And the other, uh, from from very nearby, uh, there's a, a vineyard called Jagged Rock, 
Um, and both Mission Hill Family Estate and Cedar Creek uh, are making sort of single vineyard Syrah from that site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, both of them are terrific as well. Yeah. Jagged Rock, well, I've been saying it for now. I think Jagged Rock is might turn out to be the single best single vineyard in British Columbia, judging on some of the wines coming out of there, including Chardonnay at Checkmate. Like, this this vineyard is very special, uh, and yeah. it's something that something people should check out. You know, you mentioned that Syrah with, uh, at La Vue Pen. I've always had this thing, I don't know about you, Dave, but I love French winemakers making wine in the New World because yeah. they get... They get the fruit they couldn't get in France, but they have the sensibility and and the you know the the wherewithal to to keep it all in balance, and so you get the that's best right. of both worlds. I I just love it. Uh, that's, here's that's, one. That's the key. Okay, here's ahead. one Go. for you, Dave. Uh, what do you think about Pinot Noir from Vancouver Island from Saison uh, mm-hmm. Vineyards, made by Unsworth? Wow, I love it. This I also is... happen to have a bottle of that in my, in my office. Oh, my God. You, um, you just say you don't have the wines, and you, you, you have them sitting right beside you there. What's going well, on? Well, I didn't, I didn't go down and buy them at the LCBO. Let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. Um, no, what, yeah. I like, what I love about the Unsworth, um, it's, it's sort of the, a lighter Vancouver Island style, but they're managing to get good ripeness and fruit, and there's this charm and suppleness to them, um, and, and st- they're still classic Pinots. You know, they're not, the, the Pinots from the Okanagan tend to be a bit more nervy and edgy and powerful. I, I just yeah. love the delicacy of, of the uh, Vancouver Island wine, particularly what Unzuris is doing. And I, yeah. I suspect, and I don't know, but I suspect there are some others on the island who are doing very similar work. Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, David Lorson is our guest. Of course, uh, he is uh, one of the co-founders and co-chairman of the uh, National Wine Awards of Canada. Dave, before we go today, uh, Open That Bottle Night is uh, this weekend on the 25th or next weekend on the 25th of uh, February. Uh, It's a fantastic event, Uh, you know, not forcing, but trying to get people to open that bottle that they just haven't had uh, the time or, or the will to open. What do you think about that? I, th- I think it's a great concept. Uh, I, I certainly understand the, the idea of not wanting to open uh, a special wine to save it. You know, while it's still in the bottle, it's still there. It's, yeah. You own it. It's, it's right. And there's that, that impulse just to kind of hang on and enjoy the ownership in a way. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's some I've been in so many cellars where uh, where very special wines have just laid there forever because people are afraid don't want to open them for whatever reason. And, and so much good wine goes to waste. So I, yeah. I think this is a, a great idea. Uh, I think it's also very interesting uh, in promoting the notion that, you know, a lot of wines being made today are quite enjoyable when they're young. I think yeah. winemaking has changed from the days when you had to age wine for it to come into balance. And, uh, True enough. You know, I think it's it's uh, there's there's lots of great wine that can be enjoyed. I, but I still, you know, there's still a few in my cellar. It's not a big cellar, but just a few things that are kind of special to me. I don't want to let go of. <laughs> <laughs> I have a ridiculous number. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I've been calculating how long I'm going to live, and I'm I'm running out of time here to drink all these wines. Yeah. I think classic. Uh, Dave, so great to catch up with you. Uh, can't wait to see you in Penticton this summer and uh, to get back into the uh, 2023 edition of the National Wine Awards uh, where we get that snapshot of what's going on in the country. It's really the highlight of my uh, tasting year. Yeah, me too. It's it's just unbelievable. It, it's There's so much great information, so many good people. It's, it's fun. Thanks, Dave. We'll see you there. 
See okay. you soon. Yeah, great, great chatting. Ciao. Okay. Uh, David Lorison, uh, really one of the finest guys in wine uh, in, around the world that you want to talk to uh, at any time and super knowledgeable. Now, uh, before we go today, we have an exclusive offer for our BC Food & Wine Radio listeners from cheesemaker.ca in Victoria. You'll receive a 15% off their home cheesemaking kits, and you can choose between mozzarella, cheddar, vegan, feta, or poutine. Now, our assignment producer, Sherry Caleb, made the mozzarella a few days ago. We gave it a big thumbs up. She's got fresh mozzarella. Uh, she did it in just over an hour, and she's got a lot of it. Uh, the kits regularly sell between 45 and $65, and uh, they make many batches depending on the cheese you select. All you have to do is buy the milk. Now, how do you do it? Use the code BCFWR15 for BC Food & Wine Radio 15. That's BCFWR15 when you're checking out at cheesemaker.ca or visit the BC Food & Wine Radio face page, Facebook page for more details. That's it for this week's show. Special thanks to our technical producer here in Vancouver, Dwayne Bishop, Simon Editor, Sherry Caleb, and Director of Operations, Stu Ferguson. We're back in the studio next week with one of the biggest names in wine, the always flamboyant Kim Crawford. From all of us at the show, I'm Anthony Gismondi, wishing you a great week ahead until we next catch up with you across the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi.